So this is week two of our sermon series called Why Do We? We are taking a look at why we do some of the things we do here at church. Last week, Tom Lanham talked about why we worship. And today, I get to talk to you about why we do communion. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here this morning. Thank you for this time to focus in on what you are doing in and through us. I pray that through this message this morning, we would leave here a little closer to you. Amen. So for those of you who have been at church for a while, communion is something we do after the talk and before worship. And we preface it by using the story of the Last Supper from the Bible, where Jesus used the bread and the wine to talk about what he's going to experience. His body broken and his blood poured out on the cross for us. In the most simplest terms, communion, or sometimes it's called the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, is, it means to give thanks. But more than that, communion is an invitation, an invitation into life, an invitation that began in the earliest parts of the Bible all the way back to the Garden of Eden. In the garden where God placed Adam and Eve, they were surrounded by trees that were loaded with food, that, with food that was good to eat. And God invited Adam and Eve to eat it. Throughout the story, God continues to invite humanity to experience his life through meals. After God rescues the Israelites from Egypt, he establishes a cycle of feasts for them to observe throughout the year. They celebrate a Passover feast, which is a celebration of, um, from Exodus, from the, oh my goodness, they're celebrating the Exodus, read the words on the page, Rhonda. They're celebrating the Exodus from Egypt and the Israelites' freedom from slavery to the Egyptians. They have a feast of unleavened bread, remembering how they had to leave Egypt in a hurry so they didn't have time for their bread to rise. Uh, Feast of First Fruits, which was to thank God for all he had provided during the harvest season. The Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, which was another celebration of harvest that took place seven weeks after the First Fruits. The Feast of Trumpets, and this feast was a call to stop work and um, remember all that the Lord had done for them. On this day, the Israelites were to present a fire offering to the Lord, And then throughout the day, the Israelites would hear the sound of a trumpet, hence the name Feast of Trumpets. And the Feast of Tabernacle or Booths, which celebrates God's faithfulness in the 40 years of the Israelites wandering around in the desert. All of these meals have two purposes. First of all, it creates a way for the Israelites to regularly participate in praise, thanksgiving, remembrance, and repentance. Secondly, these meals are intended to continually remind his people of the covenant that God established with them. It's to help them remember to stay faithful to the covenant promises made by God. Then in the New Testament, we see these things continue. Jesus invites people to meals, and in the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000, he even brings the food. And in the most shocking meal in the history of the followers of Jesus, we come across the story of the Last Supper, which is in Matthew 26, starting in verse 17. 
On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The story then goes on to tell us about Jesus' death and resurrection, as well as his return to the Father. And this Last Supper becomes our reminder, yours and mine, of what Jesus did for us. It reminds us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It reminds us that we are deeply loved. And it invites us to go deeper than just knowing this. It invites us to experience God's love. The Lord is present in a very real sense when we take communion. Participating in communion is a means by which we encounter Jesus. Jesus really is present when we celebrate communion because the Spirit is in every follower of Jesus. When we take communion, we remember and encounter Jesus. As As we participate in communion, we can say, yes, he deeply loves us. Yes, the Lord is good. The psalmist says, What does the psalmist say? Let's find out. Uh, Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. When we take communion, we are invited to think about Jesus' death. Through the cross, Jesus showed us that he came to serve. And as it says in Matthew 20, 28, to give his life as a ransom for many. In receiving the bread, and in our case, juice, we are celebrating God's love and forgiveness. We are renewing and proclaiming our faith in Jesus. And we here at the Vineyard believe that everyone gets to take part in that celebration, unless you're a robot. And here is why. to give you a way to always remember that he died for you. So he started a ritual. A ritual is something you do over and over. The ritual of communion has eating and drinking because everyone eats and drinks, right? 
except for robots. Robots don't eat. And now that I think about it, robots don't drink. Oh my gosh, robots can't take communion. How will they know that Jesus died for them? They won't remember. They don't have a ritual. Oh wait, that's okay. Because Jesus didn't die so that robots would have a way into heaven. He died so that you would have a way into heaven. Because he loves you very much and he wants you to remember that. That's why he started the ritual of communion. He was thinking about you and not robots. Sorry, robots. There you go. So I would like when we transition, transition into celebrating communion this morning, take a moment to remember the reason why. Take a moment to say thank you to God for being a good God and for loving you always. So I'd like to invite some of our kids up this morning to help serve communion.